Hi, and welcome to Greedo Shot First. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. Hello, Marco. How are you doing today? I'm good, Benjamin Light. How are you? I'm wonderful. I can't think of any reason why I wouldn't be wonderful today. Really? You had a good night? I guess, yeah. Last night was really good for you? It was a good place to be in? It was. Um, I honestly don't remember a whole lot about it, but, um, you mm. know, I remember coming home and, and watching some, some television. Not mm-hmm. actual television. I actually canceled my cable today. That cool. felt good. Yeah. Yeah, right on. But uh, this is our Star Wars podcast for Star Wars fans who don't like Star Wars fans. Exactly. <laughs> if, if you found us and you understand that sentence i think you've come to the right place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as long as you still like star wars i mean i know obviously star wars fans covers it but come on there's star wars fans and then there's like star wars fans and the first group doesn't like the second group and vice versa and then there are star wars fans yeah mm-hmm. 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 you can just like go Capulets online and in the montagues just looking at a whole thread right now where they're arguing a, they're arguing over whether or not there should be more double-bladed, double-bladed lightsabers in the just, episode seven, so and then B, they're arguing of whether or not, like, like how canon that is, and like, it, did it start in the EU first? And oh, man, there's a whole thread here about just posting your lens flares jokes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they they made that thread just it's like okay, people, like, just if you're going to be retarded, do it here, you know? Yeah, yeah. get it over with. Mm-hmm. Get it the fuck over with. So, um, as far as uh, news concerns go, uh, there was a, like, I think it was Hollywood Reporter did a feature on Kathleen Kennedy that not really much in the way of news other than, like, a little bit of background on, like, them signing J.J. Abrams. I don't know if you read any of that. Uh, I don't believe so. Highlights? Basically, they, it sounds like he was the one they wanted all along. Like, Spielberg was like, you got to get J.J. Abrams. And mm-hmm. so they approached him back in October and he just, you know, he, he wasn't sure if he, you know, had reservations, wasn't sure if he wanted to get into a franchise like Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. But basically that that's who they wanted. So they, they made it happen. Hmm. Makes sense. I mean, uh, as we covered last week, he's, he's a good, solid choice. You know, the films are not in bad hands with him. Um, and I think that he will, you know, garner enough of the, whoever the geeky majority that they're actually worried about swaying and winning over, I think he'll get enough of that, you know, plus the general public. He's got, he's got name value now with the general, you know, public of moviegoers. Yeah. I don't know. It's, he's seemingly like controversial. Um, I feel like he gets a lot more shit than other directors get. Hmm. Yeah, well, fuck him. Yeah. Uh, and that thing I, you just sent me, I have no idea whether that that's real. It's disgusting looking, isn't it? Something for... What is that? It's not French, is it? Like Spanish or something? Uh, uh, it's some, some ad for some, like, burger joint. It's in another language where the, they have like a Darth Vader burger that has like a black bun or something. It's really gross looking. It just looks completely charred. Yeah. Also, I'm what sure is on just, like, the die? But what is on the Jedi burger? Is that like cheese 
droppings or could be onions. Pebbles. I don't know. Ooh, that's a lot of onions. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, just, I don't know if this is real or not. I just found this in Google Image Search. I was looking for something else, and uh, supposedly it's it's an ad for some kind of fast food thing for the 3D release of Episode One, which mm-hmm. I guess there's somewhat news that they're what canceling the rest of the 3D releases. Which the to, me is, to me, that's a good sign. Um, I get the feeling that they're gonna do they're gonna shoot it in 3D Episode Seven regardless, but I, I like the idea of them saying, you know what, we don't need to spend all this time and effort making 3d versions of the star wars movies you know right like i feel like that's a, a signal that lucasfilm has better things to be doing you know yeah yeah i wouldn't mind just like a general re-release of like the original trilogy um to like kind of like you know as you get closer to episode seven coming out but it's not like essential i don't I don't think you have to worry about the majority of the public having not seen Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still Star Wars. You know, there was an interesting detail in that, that Kathleen Kennedy feature. Apparently, J.J. Abrams has known Spielberg since he was like 14. Really? How? It was something where like, like he won a contest like making Super 8 films or something like that. Oh, okay, and like cool. Spielberg like hired him when he was 14 to like, help Spielberg like restore some super eight things or is some it's a totally bizarre thing like that. Like they'd known each other a long time. I want to say that I read something where, um, uh, like Leonard Nimoy was like family friends with JJ Abrams, you know, family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just kind of curious about like JJ Abrams, uh, background. Obviously he's from LA, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, you just have one of those like classic, like uh, like L.A. privileged, yeah. You know, well, I mean, family knows somebody lifestyles or like, growing I ups. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't all that dissimilar from Spielberg, where he just happened to like live there and snuck onto movie sets a lot. You know, I mean, that's kind of how Spielberg got into the industry. He just oh well, forced his way in. It's not how like uh, P.T. Anderson got in there, but the same thing. I mean, P.T. Anderson did live, you know, in L.A. had had somewhat of a connection to the entertainment industry um, and developed his love, you know, like adjacent to all that. But if I remember, he didn't necessarily have, so you know, like in like that. Abrams' parents were producers, TV producers. Um, okay. And he attended Sarah Lawrence College. That's kind of funny to me. Hmm. 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 But, um... I, we will be talking about Super 8 today. That's what we were going to discuss other than Star Wars itself and just kind of what we can uh, glean from Super 8 as far as what we can expect from J.J. Abrams doing a Star Wars movie. Um, I did see that in that feature they did mention the whole thing about the possible delay of uh, Episode 7. And basically Kathleen Kennedy just said, like, we're just interested in, uh, you know, making a good movie. We're not focused on the timeline. So who knows? I mean, I... I... I wouldn't think that it would be too much, you know, terribly longer than the date that they want. I mean, if it's not 2015, it'll be what, 2016? I mean, yeah. They're not going to take like 10 years to make this movie, but it's, it's a good thing that they're not rushing. I mean, I'm sure that they will lock down a timeline once, like, you know, the first draft of the script is in. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, probably right now, it's probably just Michael Arndt and J.J. Abrams, you know, <laughs> kicking around you know, story stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a definite 
like skeleton of the script at least by now, but you know, yeah, yeah, probably just trying to figure out how they want to do it and whether or not JJ has anything he wants to add to it, you know. Yeah, I um, caught some clips. I don't really watch the show. I caught some clip from uh, the Clone Wars, like one of the recent mm-hmm. episodes, like Darth Maul's, you know, Darth back. Maul. Yeah. His brother and they they like they're going around with like different crime syndicates and like Mandalorians and what have you, and uh, like I guess the end of his storyline is that he finally you know faces off with uh, Sidious, hmm. and uh, he was wielding like they each had two lightsabers and two fight. double lightsabers. Called... No, that'd be awesome. That would be that would be the height of ridiculousness. Like uh, Palpatine had two like red lightsabers, you know, shot out of his sleeves, and then. Uh, Darth Maul had a single, you know, red lightsaber in one hand. And the other hand, the other hand, he had a black lightsaber. Oh. What does a black so, lightsaber look like? Is it literally black? Uh, I will send you pictures. <laughs> it's, see, it's, yeah, it's black and it kind of glows around the edges. See, I was thinking for the new Star Wars movie, if they really wanted to be fan servicey, they could have like a, a black, a black lightsaber, but like in the way you talk about a black light, you know? So it's kind of like purplish almost? Yeah, like ultraviolet. And like, yeah. you know, like, uh, the character turns it on and somebody else is just has all these weird stains. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. I don't know. I, I was just kind oh, of dark saber. Yeah. I was just kind of like glancing at the article there on Wikipedia and apparently it has some kind of ties to the Mandalorians, like having stole it from the Jedi temple thousands of years earlier and fat, 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 fat. That's fucking dumb. Yeah. I, but I was just curious. I was like, "Wow, he's got like a black lightsaber. That's interesting." <laughs> I, I think if you wanted to have a character with a black lightsaber, you just have them have one. We don't need an explanation as to why. Exactly. 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 I feel like that's gonna be like that's one of the things that keeps me away from watching that Clone Wars cartoon. Because I feel like they're gonna take like a whole three episode arc to like cover something that they consider like a like discontinuity moment that's really not necessary mm-hmm. to be explained in three it seems, episodes. It's my impression that shows it's a lot of like weird fan service for a certain kind of Star Wars fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully and Darth Maul. The, you know? Yeah. Hopefully the audience is primarily children, but yeah, once you include Darth Maul, I think it's not Darth Maul and the Mandalorians. Although I think they like change their whole backstory that like fucks up everything in the, the previous canon, which is typical, you know, Well, there's like stuff like Darth Maul's, brother and like the night sisters i mean i don't know i just like glean little things from like wikipedia occasionally and like you know like the little youtube preview clips per episode sometimes mm-hmm. uh, like they did a three episode arc about like younglings and like how they build their lightsabers and i just it seemed it sounded interesting but not like terribly necessary all right well uh let's talk about super eight J.J. Abrams movie from 2011, starring was it Joel Crawford, Elle Fanning, Kyle Chandler, Ron Eldred. Ron Eldred with great hair. Yeah, Kyle Chandler's really uh, carved out an interesting like uh, film career in the last like, twelve months. Like watery eyed, like hard ass, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is not the guy from uh, Early Edition anymore. 
This is like this is like what happens to like the boyish nice guy after like ten years of being a boyish and nice guy. He's hard and he's mean. Well, the reason I was talking about um, all the shit J.J. Abrams gets is the reception of this movie when it came out. Like it was you. It was impossible to read or review the movie that didn't mention the hype and the expectations. You know, all just because J.J. Abrams like figured out how to cut a trailer that yeah. like just kind of like teases the audience. It's like like the internet like it's like they realize like wait a minute this guy's he's dangling like a tantalizing mystery in front of us because he wants us to go watch his movie that son of a bitch you know yeah. <laughs> like yeah it's like i don't know why but for some reason that just is out an outrage and and ever since then uh and i, I suppose that there's like the, this connection to loss too it just it just makes some people really angry and they don't know how to just enjoy a movie as a movie, but like well, whether or not this was the most amazing movie ever because of the hype, you know? Well, and like, you know, like, like Cloverfield and, and what yeah. have you, but yeah, like, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a certain continuous reflex of the internet. Whenever somebody's built a timeline of being consistently good or important and like they're getting, you know, much deserved or, or understandably deserved like accolades from it. And the internet thinks, huh, okay, now I must destroy them. I don't even think it's that, though, because other directors don't get this the same way he does. I think it's just a reaction to, like, he cut a couple trailers for Super 8 and Cloverfield that were, like, they're just, like, the teases, like, literal teasers, where it's like, hey, that this is intriguing, you know? And yeah. for whatever reason, it's, like, then the hype machine built, you know? Um, and I'm sure there's some viral marketing involved there as well, but it's just like this major backlash against him specifically. Well, I think he's also been treading down paths that, you know, Spielberg blazed and you've got all the people like we, I think we talked about the Weinsteins on the, on mm. time travel murder mystery, our other podcast, you know, the Weinsteins have, have been, I think somewhat successfully like leading a, uh, let's tear down Spielberg's house, you mm -hmm. know, of ideas like, like cr crusade. And so like the fact, I think there's some people out there who are just like, I'm sorry, J.J. Abrams is making a like $50 million love letter to the, the nostalgic filmmaking of Steven Spielberg. We must, you know, crucify him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I enjoyed this movie. I, I feel bad for people who can't just sit down and, and watch it as a movie without thinking about like, like where is the hype level and is whether or not this movie is worthy of hype. You know, it's like, yeah. just ignore all that and watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. You, 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 there's a great movie here. Like that's just, it's both, you know, it's like mainstream, but it's also like very creative. I mean, it really harkens back to like that era of Spielberg where you had strong stories and like, performances and visuals. And like the, the, the style is not like beat over your head. Well, in this movie, you know, it's, it's not ET or like close encounters. Um, that's okay. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, not, you know, it didn't have to be like a world changing movie. Like it's just a pretty solid movie. And, um, you know, it, it definitely borrows a lot of tropes from old Spielberg movies, but it is essentially original material, which is always nice in Hollywood these yeah. days. Well, like you should, you should take this movie and you should force like Quentin Tarantino to watch it and then have him defend his style of homage. Yeah, really. Um, but I mean, yeah, from the, from the very first like shot of this film, I think. You know, like, you have to understand that this is, you know, it's a movie that's, I don't know, it, it, it comes off very, like, emotional, but, like, also very, like, genuine, which I don't think you well, see a lot anymore, especially with movies that are, like, mainstream spectacle. 
I kind of got the impression that this is a fairly personal movie to J.J. Abrams that he, mm-hmm. like, I want to say I read somewhere that, like, it was Spielberg's idea to put, like, the whole train crash in. Like, at first it was literally just a movie about making Super 8 movies, you know? And mm-hmm. and they just, like, kind of added that element to it to, like, you know, give it some shape. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the opening shot with uh, the sign of the, the steel companies, you know, no accidents in so many days, and they're they're taking the big number down and putting up a one, you know. Yeah. Like, I saw something. Communicates quite a lot very quickly, you know. Yeah, I saw some of Abrams where like that image came to him before the rest of the story did. But I, I can yeah. definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a strong opening image. I mean, the first uh, five minutes, you know, up until the four months later title card, like, mm-hmm. is is all pretty strong. I mean, he tells a lot in a very short amount of time. I think. On it. It's it's weird because it's it's like oh this is like uh it's a throwback movies he's homaging Spielberg in the way that he's um like doing like good storytelling you know like yeah it's like oh look at that hack he's just imitating Spielberg in the way he was able to tell a story visually and very economically you know but I mean uh, I believe I was saying last week that like his his Star Trek reboot is uh. You know, is a, is a perfect resume for taking on a Star Wars movie. But, uh, I would say just the actual sequence with the train crash in this film would be a perfect resume for taking on a Star Trek or Star Wars movie. Well, that train crash is insane. I mean, yeah. It just like yeah. keeps getting bigger and bigger, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, he's almost slightly economical in, in how much he does with images, you know? Like another director, like that would be like an, there'd be like an extra five minutes of that sequence that you wouldn't need. You know, um, Abrams does keep it fairly simple and what he needs to show you. Well, to me, the, the main things I take away from this movie, as far as star Wars goes, is just, um, not even like it, this is a movie about like kids of a certain age. And I doubt any kids of that age will be in the next star Wars movie, but it's like, I feel like if like, he totally nails it. Like these kids, it was like 1979, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's like 15 years before my era of being the same age or thereabouts. But like, it, it's just completely, it's like, uh, if, if you were ever 14 years old, you, you connect with it completely, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. you remember exactly what that was like. And I think if, if Abrams understands that, then he knows that he's making a movie for those kids when he's making a Star Wars movie, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I would, I mean, I would guess that the kind of director who's going to take on a Star Wars movie is the kind of director who, like, still carries a little bit of that age, the, themselves of that age with them, and is kind of, you know, meeting that version of themselves again. Well, that's one of the reasons I like this movie so much, just because I feel like we haven't seen the characters in this movie on screen in a long time. Um, yeah. Usually when you see characters, this usually the characters are either a little bit younger or mm-hmm. if they are in this age of like the 12 to 14, they're like a little too sassy and adult like, you know, whereas mm-hmm. these kids like, I like out of the script and the acting, like they act like kids that age, you know, and it's yeah. like, well, they're, it's totally they're like, just, you're just like, wow. Yeah, that, that was it. You know, that's how they're acted. sassy and ridiculous in the way that kids are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, they have, they have petty understandings of the world 
they have a very juvenile logic. Um, but they, they're more adult than you expect them to be at the same time. I mean, yeah. They curse and swear and, you know, like, yeah. Like, if you don't get that a lot where, like, kids are, like, talking shit to each other and trying to be, like, a little bit older than they really are, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I feel like they haven't made a movie like this since, like, the Goonies, you know? Yeah, really. Which is um, a great film, by the way, one of my top five all time. Hey, you guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is just a fun movie. I mean, it's, it's not like a, like a, you know, it wasn't never going to get like nominated for like best picture or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just, it's just a, a solid film going experience. I would love to have been a kid who watches for the first time. I would, yeah. I, would love I wish I could like. time travel back in time to when I was like 13 years old and watch this movie then. Cause yeah. I, I, I would have been totally into it. Um, it just, it, it, it just like feels, authentic in a way that other movies that feature kids do not you know exactly exactly yeah and even though like the time period is different like there's some things that i i think even now kids it's you know like things like riding bikes around town and stuff like that you know i think that still goes on um yeah i mean yeah i I think so i mean kids find a way of like especially at this age making their own way through the world Mm -hmm. you know in every sense and and I think the movie kind of captures that nicely. You know, like there's a, there's like a secret world you live in away from like adults. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to survive in that world. And, and yeah, I mean, clearly Abrams gets that. I mean, and if you can, if you can make a movie like this where, where even the, the different age nuances would still be applicable to like a 14 year old who went to see this movie. I mean, I think you're qualified to make a Star Wars movie. Well, and the, all the uh, sets in it. Are really tactile you know there's so much detail mm-hmm. you put into everything and mm-hmm. i i think that but not overblown not overblown but like uh i i thought it was funny there is a lot of like star wars stuff in the background like there's like a tie fighter hanging from the ceiling and yeah. in the one guy's room and like a poster in the other guy's room um yeah. and i you know I, I think that he would probably bring the same kind of detail to say like making a like a, a Star Wars cantina scene or something like that, you know, like I think, yeah. I think he knows what he wants to put in there to make it feel like a Star Wars movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this movie other than what we've said, I'm afraid, but it's one thing I noticed a strong movie. Yeah. One thing I noticed that reminded me a lot of a new hope was uh, the way the kids argue with each other constantly. Um, yeah, it's kind of that same vibe of like every, every character in the scene is like bringing in the, their own perspective to it and they're not yeah. necessarily just there to advance the plot. And so there's a lot of back and forth and arguing like very much like a new hope was, um, I, I would, it'd be great if that kind of vibe returned in star Wars. Cause we really haven't seen that much since like somewhat an empire, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, well, the, the kids, the, the core group of like the boys, like, you know, some of them don't have as much to do as others, but you establish mm-hmm. pretty clearly who they all are, and they remain each other with their own interests and desires throughout the movie. You're right. I mean, like the uh, mostly wordless sequence at the end when the alien spaceship is leaving. You know, you have all everyone staring up at it, and just like their their reactions that you're playing off of. I mean, the one kid <laughs> is mouthing the words "Holy shit." <laughs> Which is totally true to his character. Like, that's how you would want yeah. to like, see that character for the final time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, 
I do wonder if he'll try to work Elle Fanning into a Star Wars movie, if there is a, a role for a young girl. Uh, I really liked her in this movie. Um, I thought it was interesting storytelling device where he basically, he, he sets it up at about 20 minutes in or like Elle Fanning shows up and does her, her like, uh, rehearsals take. And pretty much like, uh, you know, the, the boys and the audience are just like falling in love with her character at that point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're pretty much hooked from then on. Yeah, exactly. And it, it works perfectly because that's, that's, you know, like, like that's how it would be. This group mm-hmm. of boys and this girl that they all clearly know and are infatuated with in, in some ways. Um, but, but maybe not even knowing it yet until she, like, she does that reading and, you know, suddenly it's like, hey, a girl with emotions is here. Uh, yeah. You know, everyone kind of like suddenly notices. Yeah. I mean, and she has like a, like a different kind of mystique than the one they were even, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about before. I mean, yeah, she's, she turns out a very strong performance being that, um, well, she's like 14 now. So, you know, she's probably like 12 or so when she did this movie. Really? She's only that old? Um, no, that's what Wikipedia told me. So, could be wrong. I like the, uh, born in 98. Jesus. God, I feel old. (laughs) (laughs) When I graduated high school. (laughs) I like the, uh, how was his name? I think it was like Donnie or something like the, the older guy who works at the, the camera store who's into, uh, the kid's older sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I might be really stoned right now. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can get into disco. Uh. But yeah, I mean, this movie just has a, a an energy and a little bit of a, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Um, there's like a sense of adventure, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, that totally communicates the core demograph of a, a Star Wars movie. So I, I'm really interested to see what JJ Abrams does with Star Wars material. Or you think if you watch this, watch Mission Impossible 3 and watch, uh, Star Trek, it's going to, and, and then, you know, throw in Michael Arndt, like, this could be a very interesting Star Wars movie. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I don't think we're giving enough credit to the Joel Courtney. I mean, he's, Joel Courtney, he's good. Yeah, he he doesn't stand out like quite the same way El Fanning does. El Fanning's whole role was designed to surprise you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's he. I mean, I, I say this about J.J. Abrams too. He's always had a knack for finding like these uh, intriguing, harmless, like non-threatening male leads. <laughs> you know that you can get yeah. behind. Like, they're not. You know, like he's not putting like Sam Worthington's into lead roles. Mm-hmm. You're instead you're getting like a Michael Vartan. Um, yeah, his his lead characters they they just they don't just come off as like you know these like Hollywood's uh, Hollywood uh, you know creations or anything like that. You know, the only time that he deviated from that really is um, Mission doing Mission Impossible Three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, but I mean that was I mean like. Uh, I haven't listened to all of it, but I would say go listen to um, the commentary for that movie, and you'll see that 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 Tom Cruise is a good fit for him because Tom Cruise, you know, like uh, a lot of people are obviously very divided about Tom Cruise, and those opinions have calcified. But he he cares about the movies he's in, 
Mm-hmm. You know, he cares about his image very strongly in those movies because he's a creation of movies. But I mean, he cares very strongly about the movies he's in. He cares very strongly about um, a filmmaker's vision. And and I mean, they they talk for two hours about like what was right for the film. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting. But yeah, I mean, again, if you're if you have a problem with J.J. Abrams doing a Star Wars movie. Um, number one, get over it. You know, move on. Play with the grownups now. Like number two, I'm gonna guess that your choice that, that the the person that you're butt hurt that they didn't hire is Tarantino, Tarantino, or like a like a Zack Snyder or like a Matthew Vaughn or something terrible. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, yeah. Like J. James, your opinion is probably terrible. There's a couple guys at work at my job that I overheard talking about like, oh, they hurt J.J. Abrams. I think they should have got Tarantino. That would have been awesome. It's like, just kill yourself. Yeah. How would that have been awesome? Yeah. In, in the way when it wouldn't be awesome at all. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> but I, on a more technical level, like, Abrams definitely, like, you know, between this and Star Trek, it's like, he knows how to achieve a style when he needs to. You know, I've, I have no mm-hmm. doubt that uh, if he wants to do full-on pastiche of Star Wars, he can. I don't think he will. I think he'll probably bring some yeah. of his own stuff to it. But I think he can definitely capture the vibe. And I, I strongly suspect, based on the way the sets look in this movie and how much detail he put into them, I, I strongly suspect that you're going to get a lot of the A New Hope vibe of uh, Star Wars, much more so yeah. than the other movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you can, you can clearly imagine like JJ, like young JJ Abrams sitting in the theater watching A New Hope. Like he probably was about the age of these boys, mm. you know, in Super 8 watching that movie. And the thing about Spielberg, like the Spielbergian style is always that he has a willingness to, his movies feel kind of classic in a certain sense because he's, he's redefining that, that sense. But it also, he is experimental. And I think Abrams does that too. Like Super 8, you know, it is a love letter to Spielberg movies, but it's also not completely done in a Spielbergian style. I don't think. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's. I think I think J.J. Abrams' stamp is definitely all over this movie. Um, same thing for Star Trek, obviously, and and for Mission Impossible Three. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried that. Like, I mean, I, I think. Well, you're exactly right. I think he will do kind of a decent homage to Star Wars, probably particularly New Hope. He'll definitely not like make you think that you're watching something that doesn't jive with that, but it will be exactly as it should be something new, something that has legs can, they can go into the future. I like the shot. It's, it's towards the beginning. It's right after the train crash when she's, Elfanian is dropping them off and, uh, she has that like weird metal cube thing. And there's just a Mm -hmm. shot of her like reaching out the car door and the, the way it's framed is just very interesting or it's just, you know, just her arm coming out. You don't see any else of her like holding the thing. Um, yeah. Which I mean, it communicates a lot. Just in you know, um, I'm not going to go into the into all that, but um, <laughs> this is a guy who he knows how to get a good shot when he needs to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, uh, the trailer, you know, survived. Like the trailer that intrigued so pe- people so much that they ended up hating it, you know, <laughs> survives almost primarily on its visuals. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and the other thing that this reminds me of too, just because this movie is set in the seventies and Star Wars, even though it's science fiction, like the, the New Hope had just a very seventies vibe to it in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it, it just kind of a more focus on like mechanical rather than uh, like computers. I think I think that's something Abrams will get when he's making the new Star Wars movie. Because uh, Star Wars is much more of a mechanical universe yeah. than a universe about like uh, computerized technology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, there's like a nav computer at one point in the original trilogy, and there's not a whole lot more than that. You know, there's there's the the Millennium Falcon can talk to like R two, but other than that, yeah, you know, it's 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 a lot of like banging things with like wrenches. Mm-hmm. When you can't figure out what else to do, and and having like lots of weird tools that you need, and like welding and stuff like that. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Like putting on your goggles and doing some welding, <laughs> and then telling the droid to stop because you want to talk to Luke for a moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone's good to, and and I always find that the best directors in those regards are the ones who show up to work and don't have to work that hard you know instead they get to show up and they get to play mm, exactly i mean like god like how could you not have fun doing a star like directing a star wars movie yeah i mean you just picture a guy like abrams on the set like i this makes like watching this movie makes me think that he is going to demand sets for some of these shots you know yeah um, yeah just because it's it's too much fun not to, you know, like exactly. Like, yeah. do you want to do you want to shoot with uh, just like uh, you know, like if you were gonna do like a cantina bar scene, would you just have maybe like a bare bones like bar and a green screen, or no? He's gonna he's gonna build the the whole bar, you know. Well, I think he's gonna want to have um some classic aliens with like prosthetics, and not just mm-hmm. prosthetics. I would think like maybe like uh like the animatronic. Like facial prosthetics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there's like, the whole like bit in, uh, moving and stuff. The whole alien in uh, Star Trek. Uh, that's my. I I actually I, I want to say I wrote a a bit in an, an old script where it's kind of similar routine where you had the one guy sitting between two other people. You were like, oh yeah, yeah. at you know, the bar, yeah. back and forth. Yeah, I love that bit. There is a Kirk and uh, Uhura. Or, Kind of having their flirtatious thing with this poor bastard who's stuck in the middle. <laughs> Do you want me to move? Uh. But to me, that's just like, that's, you know, even this guy who doesn't have a line of dialogue, it's like, he, he's his own character and he's he's bringing his own personality into this scene. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. It's not just exactly. like an extra standing around. Yeah, I mean, he's he's there for a bit, but it feels like he really is in this world that, mm-hmm. that the film has created. Um, and it's, it's even though it's a, a sci-fi movie in the future, it's, it's very relatable. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, that guy, having to be that guy, stuck between two people like mm-hmm. that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people, they recognize that, and they, you know, the same way that, like, the way the characters in star wars you know the galaxy far far away but they still pretty much act like a bunch of like you know horny 20 somethings well you know and, and there are things that george lucas and gene ronberry both did now gene ronberry had certain rules that he really only wanted to see humanoid aliens you know part mm-hmm. of that is because gene ronberry was a seasoned 
television producer and knew what yeah. that had to look like, but also because he wanted people to relate, you know, to, to what they were seeing in the universe or in this, this, this show and movies. Like, uh, Lucas never came out and said that, but really he does the same thing. Like, you get the exact sense that you need to, like, you relate to the various aliens in Star Wars exactly as you need to. There is not ever really an alien where you look at them and there's like a lack of humanity and you don't know what their purpose or place is. I mean, like, even take like a character like, like Boba Fett, like he has that, that mask and everything. And you're not looking at him like a void of understanding of what this character's purpose is. You know exactly who Boba Fett is supposed to be just by looking at him. I mean, they, they kind of do the same thing in that regard. So the guy in like Star Trek, you know, like, you could have done a human who could have done the exact same thing, but, like, the alien face is so much of a better, like, miniature punchline. Yeah. And it conveys the exact same thing that you need for that little that little sequence. Exactly, yeah. Um, even even the little um, um, Deep Roy, like, character that hangs out with, like, Scotty in the Star Trek movie. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a very mm-hmm. alien face, but, like, you get exactly what you need from that character. Um, but yeah, I, I, anyone who's like complaining about JJ Abrams, just go back and watch these two movies that we've talked about. Like, the future is bright for for the next Star Wars movie. Yeah, I, I can't wait till we start seeing things. You know, um, I, my sense is that by now Lucasfilm knows exactly how to control the media. You know, before it was it was they tried so hard to keep everything a super secret. I think they need to kind of know what they're doing enough now where like there will be like, there's there's, I doubt there's going to be like the, like, you know, people breaking into the set and taking photos or anything like that. But like, they're going right. to do the thing where it's like, Oh, here's a set photo or here's, you know, so-and-so in their, their costume. Like they'll show yeah. you that, you know, they're not, you'll they're not going to the, keep everything secret. You'll get the thing where the actors are walking to the set mm-hmm. and like one of them doesn't have their robe wrapped around tight enough, which is exactly how it was for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about that. I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I feel bad for anyone who's listening to this because this is not that podcast where we bitch and moan and complain. <laughs> you know, like, well, we, uh, we do like Star Wars. We, we, we mean, you know, like, like the so-called like real Star Wars fans podcasts out there are probably all freaking out about JJ Abrams. They're probably still making lens flares jokes. They're probably still just talking about like whether or not they can have their precious, you know, original edits of the movie done, or you know, yeah, like yeah. the original trilogy on Blu-ray, not special editions, blah 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 blah. And and can we can we get confirmation that Darth Plagueis is in the, <laughs> the movie or not? Darth Plagueis, he didn't die. He only looked like he died. He's coming back. This is all some part of master mm-hmm. plan of him, you know, controlling international or intergalactic banking and blah 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 yeah exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> i just wonder i'm sure that everyone in the production knows like there's it's like they have to have like the new han solo you know like how mm-hmm. are they going to go about doing that you know yeah because it's like you can't you can't do Dash Rendar. Everyone will hate that, you know? Or, or not literally, but a character like that, you know? Or it's like, hey, I knew Han Solo. Who the fuck are you, you know? Right. You, sir, are no Han Solo, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they they 
clearly they they know that they need a character like that in in some fashion you know yeah i i would think that abrams would be pretty dialed into that mm-hmm. that desire um i don't know i'm i'm just i'm excited i'm excited you know just as a fan i'm excited about like you said like like when the the real details start to come out and the images and things and the the wonderful speculation from that for the sake of the podcast, I'm really excited about when people start to infer things based on like phantoms and whispers <laughs> of what this movie is going to be about. Oh, there's when I, I saw a terrible rumor. Um, Oh, Bradley Cooper. That, that, that's I just uh, saw that in the force that thing. Yeah. 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 Like based on him possibly being in some other movie that JJ Abrams is producing. Oh, and because he got his start in Alias. Mm-hmm. There's a thread on here that's just called The Redemption of Jar Jar Binks. I haven't clicked on it, and I don't really want to, but... The lack of leaks is killing me, according to this one thread. Although, at this point, what did you really expect? <laughs> well, yeah, you I mean... The script's not even really finished yet. Like, what did you expect? I would imagine that the the people privy to that information are like Kathleen Kennedy, Michael Arndt, Lucas, and JJ, and maybe a couple assistants. You know, like, yeah. Uh, I don't think they're gonna have too many leaks at this point. No, no. Well, and I, I don't, I don't think you go and get a job at like Lucasfilm, like planning to leak stuff. You know, like I don't, I don't think you like. Like you get the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's factory and, and like waste that. Yeah, really. Um, I mean, I mean, you what know, you do I, is you go and you do your Star Wars movie, then you quit and you start your own <laughs> effects house. Yeah. Well, you know, I I have a job that involves uh, some amount of secrecy, and when you when you work at a place like that, that is the last thing on your mind is like spilling that kind of stuff. You know, right? Um, right. That's that's why you work there. You know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you probably wouldn't get it as far as you got the job if you were just doing it all to throw it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be so this much fun to work is. on a Star Wars movie. I know. It would be fun to work on a, to have a job where you just get people coffee on a Star Wars movie. Seriously, just to be like the... Just to uh, suck all that in, absorb all that, yeah. Just be like a fly on the wall, like in the creative be the, meetings. Be stuff. the guy that has to like hold up the, like the juice box to like Anthony Daniels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be. It's awesome. like I'm literally dying of heat stroke inside the suit right now. Like, all right, well, have a Capri Sun. You're like, you know, could you hurry up and drink this down? My arm's getting tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what was the story? It was something where I think it was Natalie Portman saying this that when they were shooting. Uh, Phantom Menace, like is Kenny Baker and somebody else would just like sneak sneak off like between shots to just like rip a bong load or something like that. <laughs> really, like how old is Kenny Baker when he's making Phantom Menace? Like he's like in his fifties, right? But you gotta. I mean, I, I don't. I don't really know much about pot and the physiology of it. But you you have to figure that a dude that small, like. He's got to just getting plowed doing that, you know? I yeah, mean, yeah. Was, his body's so thing. tiny. Yeah. <laughs> How much would it matter if Kenny Baker's inside that outfit, <laughs> like, that, that, that thing getting, like, high? I mean, like... <laughs> well, it is pretty absurd that they had him on the set. Like, I think they figured out during the production, they're like, you know what? It's great that you did R2 and all, Kenny, but we actually don't need you, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, exactly. We've achieved the uh, well, the point where we can do this without you. Yeah. Well, you know, again, the uh, the Muppet for Yoda. Yeah. Although Kenny Baker, even less so, though. Just, I mean, you can build a perfectly good remote controlled R2 that can do all the R2 things. You know, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't really need a guy inside there doing anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be CGI. Or it could be like a real thing on the set. And yeah, you don't need a person operating it from the inside who probably can't tell where he's going, whereas an external operator could. But even in that documentary for, for a Phantom Menace, like as Lucas is like, like talking about stuff for the set and the scene coming up and like Frank Oz just like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Why is this like, like, why don't you have this as CGI? Yeah. Like, why do you, why do you still need me to do the Yoda puppet? Uh, this one thread is just, does anyone think Vader will not be in episode seven? I think everyone assumes that Vader won't, won't be in episode seven. I mean, uh, it would be extremely bizarre for them to bring him back in any way at all. Yeah. They'd all be clones of Vader. Yeah. Like, they clone Anakin Skywalker and then, like, you know, light him on fire to, to get that special Vaderness. You got the Vader clone. You got, like, the uh, the Anakin clone so you can bring back Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's and then a, just a ton of Palpatine clones. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, just trying various, like, zombie shit and things. Is there any uh, final thoughts on Super 8? No, I think uh, I think we've covered it. Um, it's a fun movie. I mean, end of story. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, unless you really hate J.J. Abrams, in which case, I don't know why you're listening to this. But Exactly. It could have been a lot worse, you know. No matter how you feel about J.J., it could have been a lot worse. It could have been John Favreau. So. Oh, God, that would have been... Yeah, we would have had material for months about our hatred of John Favreau. Did you see the uh, Iron Man three trailer? I did. You mean the Super Bowl one? Yeah. You yeah. know Shane Shane Black is not known for being an action director, but obviously uh, he's not having any trouble making a big action movie, which to me just makes John Favreau seem even le- less essential as a director than ever. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, what I exactly mean, like, were you uh... bringing to the table? There's a lot more interesting stuff going on in that Iron Man 3 trailer from a couple months ago than, than everything in Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think Marvel, like, they've kind of learned their lesson a little bit. They seem to not want to pay people appropriately, but they've kind of learned their lesson to bring in quality filmmakers like Joss Whedon and I would say even Shane Black. You know, looking at these pictures of J.J. Abrams, doesn't it kind of seem like like if you were to like, like if Lucas and Spielberg were to have a kid, wouldn't it kind of look like J.J. Abrams? Uh, I don't know. Let me like go write that fan. Just picture, picture young Lucas and young Spielberg and then like, you know, do that Photoshop thing where he puts the two together. Abrams totally like he just looks like he fits in the lineage, you know. Well, he's got like the the young George Lucas glasses mm-hmm. like, and the he, hair. Really, he's got the young Lucas hair too. 
really all he needs is a beard and yeah yeah and then he'd be lucas or uh, spielberg yeah i mean he'd be, he'd be young lucas too yeah maybe i mean like there's a picture here where like he's wearing like a, a blazer over like a, a plaid shirt i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> game set and match <laughs> maybe we should make him a t-shirt and send it to him yes a greeter shop first t-shirt yes this is our shameless ploy to uh uh, like get like a job as like PA something <laughs> Star Wars movie. Yeah, that'd be so much fun. Yeah, I would love to do a a like on the set podcast where we can't talk about anything. We're just telling you for an hour like how cool this all is. Yeah, it'd be, just be unlistenable. <laughs> I'd be like that one thing. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the picture of JJ Abrams, and of course, like. One of the things like is tied to an article is just like well, how J.J. Abrams ruin Star Wars. How he the will? second sentence of this art, yeah, how he will ruin it. Oh. The second sentence is just I can't even begin to count all the ways this is a bad idea. Oh, <laughs> go on. How uh, how will he ruin Star Wars? So the guy goes on to say that, but Hollywood always forgets one thing. Me, the fan, does not give one shit about how much it costs to make market or that studio goes out of business. I want a great story filled with action, drama, fantastic characters. Make some memories for me and make me fall in love with Star Wars again. That won't happen if Abrams. Really? Does he have any specific examples? I mean, it's... He's bitching about the mystery box. <sighs> it's uh, it's like, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why J.J. catches all oh, the shit. Oh, you know? Here's how it ends. Here's how this article ends. This is on uh, factpile.com, which sounds like uh, shitpile.com to me. Mm -hmm. But uh, he says, here's how Abrams can redeem himself in my eyes. All he needs to do is come up with a reasonable explanation for Boba Fett to escape oh, the Sarlacc. Christ. <sighs> and then, and then he, he goes on to bitch about the ending of Lost, which had nothing to do with J.J. <laughs> Abrams. Abrams probably found out when he watched the show the same as everybody else. I feel like J.J. Abrams just needs to uh, hire somebody in a Boba Fett outfit to like, like they're going to find out who all these people are, you know, get their home addresses and then have a guy in a Boba Fett outfit, like show up in the room in the middle of the night and be like, I'm Boba Fett. It's okay for you to like the new Star Wars movie and then leave, you know? Yeah. And then he, and then he pees on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so then the commenters proceed to elect that either Michael Bay, James Cameron, or oh, Tim Burton would have been far better choices. Wow. Those would have all been <laughs> terrible choices. Tim Burton? Oh, here we, here we Michael go. Michael Bay? Seriously? The Tim Burton one, the guy is just like, this would have been great. You could have gotten, I shit you not, Johnny Deep as Han Solo. Oh, my God. Elena Bonham Carter as Leia, with Danny Elfman writing all the songs. Ugh. Well, Ugh. I think a lot of people don't understand. This is not like a, a reboot of A New Hope. This is a new movie. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well, I've noticed, I've noticed too that people who hate George Lucas, they don't even call him Lucas. You know, like, I, they all have some weird nickname angry. for him. Yeah. It's like Georgie. It's either that or like, um, like they, they have just like a weird insulting nickname for him. I can't think any off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something, something right in my childhood. Yeah. Boba Fett. Like, to me, like, if you, if you're going to criticize anything relating to Star Wars and then you start nerding out on Boba Fett, you should just shut up because your opinion is worthless. Yeah, exactly. 
And it's so strange oh because God. Boba Fett is the most blatant, like, fan service thing about all of Star Wars. Uh, it should be the thing that annoys people the most about Star Wars. And yet, the nerds just, they, they fell for it completely. You, know? you should really hate the way they added him into New Hope's, mm-hmm. you know, special editions. Where he fucking just, like, lingers and, like, stares across at everyone in the audience. It's me. It's Boba Fett. Your guy. Mm-hmm. Your guy. Okay, I'll go. Um, so like, same, same shitty website, the article called Dear Disney, here's what we want for the next Star Wars films. The guy highlights that what does matter more so than anything else is character. Oh. Which immediately following that is a embed from YouTube about the fucking Sarlacc pit. What? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not actually reading this thing, but. Nothing says character like Boba Fett, a guy who has like three lines yeah. of dialogue. There needs to be some kind of reference to what Han and Leia have accomplished. Mm-hmm. Star Wars fans are here. This guy, the guy is like uh, going on and on about like, you know, a lot of people really think that this next movie is going to be a reboot. That's not what we don't want to happen. It's like, well, no one said it's going to be a reboot. Yeah. Mom. In fact, they said it was going to be an original story. It's called Episode 7, so uh, do the math, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Helena Bonham Carter is Leia. Wow. Oof. I'm just trying to remember. The, the joke from Extras when Johnny Depp, sorry, Johnny Deep <laughs> is giving Ricky Gervais shit. And he's like, I'm, on, I'm doing a new Tim Burton movie. And do you know who my leading lady on this film is? <laughs> I don't know. Helena Bonham Carter? I'm just taking a guess. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of related posts dealing with Star Wars in this site. Like, uh, one article is just called Boba Fett versus Cad Bane. Ugh. Oh, Jesus. To me, that's like, it just, it's a part of Star Wars fandom where they've, they've climbed up their own asshole and they closed the door and threw away the key, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. want to be bothered. They're, it's they're like perfectly a, fine. It's like a know? human centipede of bad ideas concerning, you know. It's just me- like this media. is this is my universe now, Lucas. Your services are no longer required. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's it's yeah. They like half live and uh, it's like a kind of fan fiction mindset where they can't handle what what is what is. <laughs> well, and you know that. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like uh, the ending of Lost situation where no matter what it was, most people were going to dislike it, you know? Like mm-hmm. there was there was no explanation that could have been provided for the smoke monster that people weren't going to hate. Yeah. Or at least a large chunk of them. And I feel like in some ways, like I, I think most audiences are going to be like, they're really going to dig this new Star Wars movie, but these certain types of fans, it's just, it'd be impossible, you know? Like, yeah, they weren't. They they don't want to like it. That's the thing. Yeah, deep down, they they don't really want to like it because it's gonna conflict with whatever weird Star Wars reality they've created for themselves. You know, it's gonna like it's gonna do something that like ruins the continuity of some minor character that they wrote a fanfic about or something like that. You know. Well, this this particular site, which I'm about to click off of, apparently a recurring thing on their site is that they take random characters, sometimes from the same property or not and they just do versus things which is the 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 thing of all nerds you know like mm-hmm. 
how many times did you like, oh Jesus, like who will win in a fight between like Colossus and the Juggernaut? So like sometimes a lot of these are like they're they're Obi Wan versus Blade, who will win in a fight? Wait, Blade? Yeah, Blade. Like Blade the Vampire Hunter. That is right. Okay. Or Darth Maul versus Ayla Secura, who will win in a fight? Laura Croft versus Link. I mean, this is this is that kind of site. Link, this is all, this Link is a, of uh, Zelda fame. Yeah, like, I mean, Laura Croft does have guns, so you know she's like holding a sword in the picture they're using. Oh, well, yeah. of course she is. <laughs> <laughs> they choose weapons or something. I, don't, I haven't actually read any of these yeah. articles, <laughs> but that's like the kind of like the pinnacle of fan wankery. You know, like yeah, the, exactly. the exactly. who would win in a fight and just completely ludicrous uh, comparisons. This is this is like what you do when you're 14 and then you hopefully outgrow it. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember telling our friend Steve in passing about one that I was reading like occasionally on IGN from like years and years and years ago where they were taking various, excuse me, like comic book characters and stuff and having them, you know, fight and people would vote on it and they would it would advance, you know, and they would try to keep up escalating and upping it. And so Batman kept winning, which is not shocking. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the way Batman, he's designed. Yeah. yeah. So the very final battle was uh, Batman versus the Sun. Just uh, Soul. Like yeah, the yeah. star that, that gives us life. <laughs> yeah. And he won. <laughs> How? Did he, like, put on the- put on some like bat sunglasses or something. Some kind of like 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 deal with it. gloves yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> But this is, this is like, I feel like what we're against, you know, in the, I mean, at a certain point, you know, like, we understand that we, we've been there. Well, you know, we, we joke a lot about how we assume that most of these people are 12. Um, but these kinds of people, particularly, I don't think they are. I think they're in their like 30s. Yeah. Yeah. All these like, all these Boba Fett obsessed people. I I don't think young kids could give less of a shit about Boba Fett. Um, I think this is definitely all people that are in their 30s or later. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and these people are out there, they're doing things on the internet and, and that's, that's what we're against. That's what this podcast these is. People are out there opposite of. with real jobs, like participating in society. They're breeding possibly, you know, and something where they're handling heavy machinery or, you know, in charge your life, of life. Yeah. Your life might be, you know, like this is like one of these people might like the x-ray tech. When you have to go to the hospital next, and he's thinking about Boba Fett, and, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. he's got this whole totally idea for how, your cancer. how Boba Fett gets out of that Sarlacc pit, and then walks around doing Boba Fett stuff, where he just like he's standing on the edge of the frame, like staring at the camera the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally misses your cancer, or you know when he brings up Boba Fett to you while you're laying there very still, and you're like, I don't care about Boba Fett. He died in Return of the Jedi, and they're like, Oops, just lost your results. Yeah. <laughs> he's like no, no 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 in the eu he gets out of the sarlacc pit and you're saying oh, jesus just let me die <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kill me just give me all the morphine in that jar uh, yeah if we could have an episode seven that neither features boba fett nor darth maul i think we're on the right path or honestly, it doesn't feature Darth Vader. Yeah, seriously. I, I mean, the story's done. Yes. Do you see the? Do you see the one? There's something where they want uh, 
like a basically like the the good version of Darth Vader, where it's like a like a white knight who's like all in like white armor. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's so bad. Like a basically Darth Vader's outfit only white. God, that's that's so. so Maybe you can have a like a white lightsaber too. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I guess we did. Get oh, oh I just shit. I just googled pictures of white Darth Vader. Really? <laughs> There's so many. There are so many. There's like a pimped out one. There's like a, the Hello Kitty one I've seen so many times before. Oh wow. There's <laughs> so many pictures. It's not a good look, I don't think. Although a no, lot of these, I think, um, making his, uh, I don't know what those would be, like the eye part, you know, the eye visor, making that black, is that should be white too. You got to go all the way. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. Well, I mean, that's why I think the, the I mean, it's very distinctive. It's very interesting that they made the Stormtroopers' outfits predominantly white, but it's also very interesting that they did not make them entirely white, you know? Mm-hmm. That's some contrast. It's much needed contrast. There's also related searches. Red Darth Vader. Oh, Red Darth Vader. Yes. Uh, why not have more? Maybe and there what, can see, be. What always worries me. What always worries me about extended fandom is that you get you get all these people at conventions. I get that. Like Nerd Prom, mm-hmm. you're gonna dress up. You're gonna be the asshole dressed up in white Darth Vader outfit. You're gonna have your photo taken regular Darth Vader. Blah 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 blah. But there's always like these like panels and things from like comic books where like Lucas conversing with white Darth Vader. Like that's a thing. It's out there somewhere. <laughs> Maybe there could be a thing where there's all these different colored Vaders and they have like a, a table. They all sit around like King Arthur and the, the, like, it's like the white Darth Vader with his white lightsaber and then like the blue Vader with his blue lightsaber. And that sounds just terrible enough to be a, a good fan idea. I should post that on the force net. I've, uh, I've never, um, I've never liked like the Green Lantern or like Green Lantern comic <laughs> books, but I they did that in the past like like five six years. There's like there's like the Green Lantern Corps. There's like Red Lanterns and Blue Lanterns and, and White Lanterns. I mean, yeah, it's it's like oh look look at how we're so out of ideas. Here's like a Tron up looking Darth Vader picture. Wow. Just wow. Maybe they can be different colored Boba Fett's. Hmm. Yeah. I, I do worry that we're going to see a bunch of like Mandalorians. I don't know. Well, I think the, the thing is, though, that if, if there are, you know, Mandalorians in uh, mm-hmm. the new movie, they won't, they probably won't be like any other representation of Mandalorians so far. So, yeah. All those people that are really into like the EU version of them are probably going to be like even more enraged than ever if they do include them, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Here's a guy. I'm just going to send this picture to you because <laughs> it's a tattoo. It's a it's a Darth Vader tattoo. It's like a mashup tattoo. It's odd. I don't know. People people get really weird about this shit. It's uh, wow. Steve Buscemi and Star Fader. Yeah. As a tattoo, man. 
that's, that's, like, that's that's not a tiny tattoo. It's for life, uh, bro. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like how drunk were you that night? No, I, I can't wait till the new Star Wars movie comes out and all these people can just get really angry. Really, really angry. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'll fault. be enjoying the movie. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really feel like rewatching Mission Impossible 3. I don't think there's that much to gain from it. Have no, you, uh, no. gotten into Scoundrels at all? Uh, no, not really, but I can. <laughs> I, I'm like halfway through. I guess I could probably power through the rest of it by the next week. What do you think? Sure. How does it feel to you? Are you enjoying it so far? Eh, I've got some notes. Um, okay. I mean, I read the first chapter. Oh, really? Maybe the first chapter and a half. Yeah. I mean, I guess my... We should say most of this for next week, but my main thing is that I feel like... And this is something that happens with a lot of uh, like heist stories and whatnot, is the plot becomes so heavy that... Mm-hmm it becomes like less entertaining. It's like there's so much that has to be done in this heist that it's not really entertaining anymore. It's, it's like a checklist of, you know, like, I don't know. It's, mm. it's hard to explain. I'll, I'll have to uh, try to put into better words in the next podcast, but um, it just seems too plot heavy and not, it doesn't feel like the characters really have room to breathe and like react, you know, mm. cause mm. it's, it, it's just so much focused on, you know, this impossible thing that you have to steal, you know, with all these various security systems in place and how they're going to get around all those. It, you know what I mean? Like, it's right. It, it's not it doesn't quite feel like an adventure, like a Star Wars adventure at that point, you know? Yeah. And especially since these are iconic characters that mm-hmm. you, you know, um, and they're kind of stifle well, them. That's not a bad idea. I think this is something that happens in, in heist movies and books a lot is that like, it's just so focused on the author has thought up all of these different kind of obstacles to put in their path and then how they're going to get around them. that the actual result is just kind of like rote, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like the plan works until that certain part where they've already planned for the plan to fail, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the usual problem of, of the ice movie too. Well, also, I mean, it's Han Solo here. I feel like Han Solo He's not going to spend days like planning a heist, you know, like no. he's like, oh, we need to steal that. All right. What do we got on us? All right. You've got a you've got a bowcaster. I've got one thermal detonator and you have access to a speeder bike. All right. I got an idea. You know, like I feel like that's how mm-hmm. Han operates. Like he just does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I feel like uh you're not even getting as much planning as would go into like the average like Firefly heist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He prefers a straight fight to all that sneaking around. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, yeah, it's okay. It's Zan. Um, it's not bad. It's just I don't know. Maybe it'll pick up in the second half. Hmm. Yeah, I'm amazed that uh, the. People in charge of the books don't. Uh, whatever he's getting paid, he should be getting paid more. I mean, compared to the other stable writers. Well, I get the feeling that he doesn't want to participate in the other stuff that they do anymore. That's why he keeps I, writing books like these, where they're set back in the like a New Hope era. Yeah, 
He wants to go back to when it was still fun. Mm -hmm. And not like, all right, well, one of your main characters here is Jaina Solo. Uh, Her younger brother was killed and she killed her older brother because he turned to the dark side. Uh, Have fun, you know, like... (laughs) He's the guy that they should bring in, I think, when they finally do have the balls to push the whole thing forward like another 20 years. See, I don't... Mike, Luke, Leia, and Han. What I suspect will happen is they're they're just waiting around. Like, I don't... I think they're they're waiting to find out what happens with the movies, and they're just going to, like, transition into that, you know? Like, I don't, right. I don't think the books now, at least now that they've announced these new movies, I don't think the books will be the thing where they, they move forward from the, the big three. That's good. That'll happen in the movies, I assume. Yeah. Well, either uh, either yeah, that or the movie will be set in a in an era where you know Han and Lee and Luke aren't around at all, and then they can go back and fill in. But there is a great self fulfilling prophecy here, where they continue on with the books, the stuff that they know they just know will be contradicted by the new movie, mm-hmm. and then they get to they get to find like room for like another fifteen books where they yeah. fix exactly. those errors exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, someone coming is on, you know, Jesus Christ, 20 years ago now and saying, do you want to do like the first like real thing set after return of the Jedi, you know, w- which we're going to unofficially kind of let people think could be like an episode seven type thing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, sure. That sounds like a lot of fun. You know, and then like 20 shitty books by other authors later. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you want to continue like on with this journey? And he's like, no, no, not so much. Well, like, uh, just go read Vision of the Future. That was one of the the books he did. That's the last last book in the Ford continuity he's done. I think he might have done one more. Um, mm. But it was the, half the book was just like like retconning and being like, uh, "Hey, Luke, you know how like you were like super force powerful and like doing all this crazy shit? Like, that's you shouldn't do that. Like, you're not listening to the force anymore. You're you know like that's not a mm. good sign for you. Like, it was all this stuff where it's basically like." trying to like re- restore some of the older status quo of the, the books and the movies, you know, like Luke shouldn't be like raising Darth Vader's castle, you know, out of nothing with his force power. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. He, he tried to basically come in, like write the ship. Mm-hmm. Like Zon can't come in every five years and write the ship. Yeah. Like, well, there now should be editors who, who step in now, I mean, you know, they killed Chewie, they killed the, the solo brothers. Um, there's, there's stuff they can't really take back at this point, you know? It's all right. A book in which was all a dream. It's all just a dream. Well, Jason was just flow walking. That's, uh, something they invented where Jason can like travel through time with his mind or something like that. Really? Yeah. I'm not making that up. Um, wow. And it's called flow walking, called flow walking, where is he just, He's a witness. He, he's not affecting it, but he can just like flow walk through time to like witness certain things. Uh, and there's a whole thing where like the girl who was in love with Anakin Solo, like he like he uses flow walking as like a drug for her. He's like, hey, I'll take you back to when Anakin was alive, so you can watch him. You know, now you now you'll become an evil minion. You killed me here. So, that's not even the worst of it. That's so far from the worst of what has happened in the EU. The EU is like physically painful to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we should probably go ahead. I would and- like to flow walk back to before we start <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we can wrap it up there. <laughs>
All right. Well, until next time, may the force be with you. Always. Always.